0: We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Moving Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy His word. Amen. If you don't mind, this morning, let's turn to the second uh, Samuel chapter thirteen. Second Samuel chapter. 13 to NIV version. We flirted with this text last week. I said I owed, owed you some more this week. Um, so if you were not able to be here last week, download the podcast, listen to that message, because this is part two of an important topic that I think we have to discuss. Amen? Amen. Hey, Amen. I've got family all the way from Tuscaloosa, Alabama in the building today. It's a beautiful thing. Haven't seen him in a long time. It's good. 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1 in the version. I'll read for you. In the course of time, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Amnon became so obsessed with his sister, Tamar, that he made himself ill. She was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. Now, Amnon had an advisor named Jonadab, son of Shimea, David's brother. Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He asked Amnon, why do you, the king's son, look so haggard morning after morning? Won't you tell me? Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother, Absalom's sister. Go to bed, verse 5, go to bed and pretend to be ill, Jonadab said. When your father comes to see you. Say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I may watch her and then eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to see him, Amnon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make some special bread in my sight so I may eat from her hand. David sent word to Tamar at the palace. Go to the house of your brother Amnon and and prepare some food for him. So Tamar went to the house of her brother Amnon, who was lying down. She took some dough. She kneaded it, made the bread in his sight, and baked it. Then she took the pan and served him the bread, but he refused to eat it. Send everyone out of here, Amnon said. So everyone left him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, bring the food here into my bedroom so I may eat it from your hand. And Tamar took the bread she had prepared and brought it to her brother Amnon in his bedroom. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, come to bed with me, my sister. No, my brother, she said to him, don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. Verse 14, but he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than her, he raped her. Verse 15, then Amnon hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Amnon said to her, get up and get out. No, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you have already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. He called his personal servant and said, get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door after her. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. She was wearing an ornate robe, for this was the kind of garment the virgin daughters of the king wore. Tamar put ashes on her head and, and tore her ornate robe she was wearing. She put her hands on her head and went away, weeping aloud as she went. Somebody shout amen. That's a lot. <laughs> um, last week we looked at the word lust in a, in a broader sense. Um, it, is, it is common for us to just look at the word lust in one context. Um, so last week, we took time to focus on the content of the word versus the context. Um, I gave you a working definition last week. Um, if you don't mind, let's put that up. Um, and it, it says this, um, it is an overwhelming feeling to satisfy a self-gratifying desire. Say it with me. It is an overwhelming feeling to satisfy a self-gratifying desire. Let's say it again. It is an overwhelming feeling to satisfy a self-gratifying desire. Lust is way bigger than a sexual passion. And I think oftentimes, as I said last week, um, when we hear the word lust, we will exit from um, the word itself when we hear it. Because you say, well, I don't have that type of issue, so I don't really need to listen. But the word lust is so much bigger than just a sexual passion or it's staying in that vein. Well, you can have lust for anything. You you, you, you can have uh, lust for power. You can have lust for success. You could have lust for social acceptance. You could have lust for love. Um, you could have lust in any vein of, 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 or avenues that you, that you work in every single day or function in every day. And I think the enemy has, has been sitting back looking at specifically God's people because we don't understand the context of the word. We oftentimes say, well, you know, I don't have to deal with that, so we don't, this sermon is not for me. No, what I'm saying to you is that everybody in this room today deals with some form or fashion of lust. Well, Wanzo, how can you say that? Because at the root of sin, lust was there. That was the vehicle that the enemy used in order to get sin into the world so that everybody in here has to deal with lust on some level. Okay, ladies, I'm not going to pick on you, but I'm picking on you. After the fall, you know, God is going through and he's disseminating, you know, what's been going on, and he says, okay, this is how you're going to pay for this, Adam. And then he says to the woman, your desire will be for your husband. And he will rule over you. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. Now, when you first hear that, you will say, "Well, she's going to desire her husband." Well, let's think about the context. They had just fallen, so he's not going to say, "I'm going to bless that relationship even in, in more." I'm not going to do more in the relationship. What he was saying there is that you're going to have a lustful desire of the position of power that your husband has. Keep looking, ladies. He says that you're going you're to lust at times to take the wheel from the office of your husband to, so that you can drive the car. Y'all being real quiet today. I know I'm teaching good. He says you're going to have to fight. Oh, gosh, it doesn't matter how good you are, ladies. You're going to have to fight the urge to say I'm taking over. You're gonna to have to fight that urge. Why? Because it perpetuated itself from Eve. Oh gosh, it just kept going on down the line to every woman that's inside of this, inside of this place today. So any relationship that you get into, you're gonna have an issue with the man because just because of what Eve did, you're gonna struggle with lusting for the position that, 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 your, that your husband or, or your significant other holds. I'm gonna help the men. <laughs> it's, it's not her. I'm just going to say James and Wisteria. James is not Wisteria. Devin is not Portia. It's not, it's not her. It's her. You get that? It's, it's, it's not your, It's not Wisteria. It's not Tina Underwood. It, it is not Portia Wade that is fighting for that control. This thing has been in her before she was even birthed. So she's fighting against something that's just inside of her. She has, listen to me, and I don't want to sound too rough, but she has a lustful desire to try and take over. So I don't care how good she is, she's going to fight that urge every single day. She's going to fight it. Ladies, I'm not letting you off the hook, and I'm not saying that you don't need to stop. But what I I want to help bring clarity to this, listen to me now. You can lust for anything. It is just in our DNA. You can look throughout Scripture. Some of the most notable men in Scripture who were some of the greatest leaders in Scripture struggle with polygamy. They had multiple wives. Struggled with it. There are multiple veins of lust that we have to wrap our hands around. And here's the thing. Wanda, I'm not in a relationship right now. Are you lusting for success? I just. Are you obsessed with it? Are you working 24 hours a day to try and make sure that you meet this mark every single time? Are you doing that? Because, to me, listen to me, this is a form of lust. So the enemy sits back and says, you know what? He don't think he's lusting. She doesn't think that she's lusting, but it is. And that is the vehicle, listen to me, that is the vehicle that the enemy uses to make sure sin stays in our life. He's going to make sure it stays there. Because I can, I can write it off on hashtag grinding." I can write it off on hashtag marriage goals. The enemy's saying they don't know it, but that sin's going to stay right there. It's going to be right there all the time. And every time they turn that corner, they're going to have to deal with it. Well, I'm going to church, but you haven't dealt with your lust. So last week, we looked at the attributes of lust. This week, I want to give you three. I've got three questions on how we can overcome lust. Y'all want to work today? Shout amen. Amen. I'm going to take you of silence for agreement. Okay, let's go to verse 1. In the course of time, Amnon, son of David, fell in love with Tamar, the beautiful sister of Absalom, son of David. Amnon became so obsessed with his sister, Tamar, that he made himself ill. She was a virgin, and it seemed impossible for him to do anything to her. first question that I want to ask you today is, do you have a governor? Ask your neighbor, do you have a governor? I want to tell you right off bat that there is no way that Absalom should have, or Amnon should have loved his sister in this fashion. There's no way. And the thing that really stuck out to me in the text once I read it is that over the course of time, he loved her like this over the course of time. So that meant to me um, that it wasn't always here. When they were riding big wheels, everything was fine. When when, when, when they graduated to riding bikes together and going down to the corner store and getting lollipops together, everything was fine. But somewhere along the way, his love for her was perverted. And it grew to a place where he ended up raping his sister. Now, we've been talking for the past several weeks, about the facets of love. We, we, we have eros. I mean, that's erotic love. That's, that's, that's romantic love. And we have storage, and that's family love. And then you have phileo, and that's a brotherly love. And then we talked about agape. That's, that's the God's kind of love. All of these, di- oh gosh, I want you to get this so bad. All of these different kinds of love that we have to manage the incoming streams and the outgoing streams of, those are self-generated by man. You can, listen, you roll out of the bed uh, as a child and you just fall in love with your mother. Nobody has to tell you to do it. You just love her. There are people who live this life to just be a philanthropist. That's brotherly love. And then you, you you just have an attraction to the opposite sex. These things, these streams of love are just generated inside of man, okay? Agape love is a love that is generated with God. And I have to determine within myself that I'm going to allow that love to come into my life to be the governor of all of these streams of love that have to go to and from me. Y'all still quiet? I don't think you're getting it. Big box trucks, I'll call them that. Transfer trucks. I got some southern people here. I think they call them transfer trucks. Um, Delivery trucks. You know, big UPS trucks. Uh, FedEx trucks. You know, big... Over-the-road trucks, I'll give you every term I can think of. All of those vehicles, all of them, there's not an exception, all of them have a governor in them. It's a speed regulator. On the dashboard, it may show that it can go 120 miles an hour. It'll show that it can go 120 miles an hour. But because someone put a governor in it, it will only go to 85 miles an hour. Because whoever, somebody sat back and said, I'm too smart for this, and I don't want them to kill anybody. So I'm going to put a governor in it so it doesn't go 120 miles an hour. Because if I get this weight of this thing, how big this thing is, going in this direction that fast, I won't be able to stop it. So they put a governor in it so we can manage it. God says, I'm okay with arrows. I'm okay with storage. I'm okay with phileo but you must have agape to be the governor of your love. Listen to me. He, he ended up loving his sister in an improper way because he didn't have a governor. Oh gosh, I'm teaching better than y'all responding. He didn't have a governor in his life. Shout governor. I need something to me. Listen to me. I need something that's going to make sure that I, even if it's a good love, even if it's, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a family love, I've got to have something in my life that puts the brakes on when it's time for me to put the brakes on i gotta, I got to have the right thing in my life. I've got to agape in my life to make sure that I don't go too far in arrows. Oh, gosh. I've got to have something outside of me that God gives me to ensure that I can manage all of this stuff. Because here's the thing. If my love continues to go and it continues to grow, I will go too far. Oh, I will, I'm teaching too good for y'all this morning. I, I will go outside of the bounds that, that are set for me. I won't be able to stop God. I won't be able to stop it if I'm going too fast. If I allow this thing to grow the way that it is growing, it will, it will take me over. It will, it will run me over because I can't control it. I'll say it to you like this. We were never, we weren't created to function in love without God. Okay. God, Creates Adam out of the dust of the earth. He is, he is, he is created, listen to me, in love. He, he says, it's not good for man to be alone. This is the first form of love. And then he creates Eve, and he creates her into love. And then you have agape managing all of the love that they're responsible for. But when we decided to fall out of grace... Now we have to go and reach for that love to make sure that it is a part of our life. Man cannot function without agape love in his life. You will tear it up every time. I will just be destroying relationships just to destroy them. I don't even know why I'm sabotaging myself. I'm just doing it. I don't know why. I know that I love you, but something is wrong. Agape is the governor to make sure that all of these avenues of love that flow from me... The storage love and and, and the phileo love and the eros love are all kept in their proper places, and it gets the proper amount of focus. How many times have you gotten yourself into a situation with someone that it just went too far? Don't raise your hand. Don't nod. I didn't mean for this thing to go that far. I I, I didn't know I like you and we're all good but I didn't mean for it to go this far man cannot function in love by himself I have to have a governor something that is going to say Wanzo you're going too fast oh gosh Wanzo you're moving too quick mom and daddy can't tell you stop It's too you're going too fast no God has to be inside of you through his Holy Spirit to say you're doing too much right now slow down I'm going to stop messing with y'all y'all don't want this stuff okay Let's go to verse 3. Are you getting anything? Now Amnon had an advisor named Jonadab, son of Shimea, David's brother. Jonadab was a very shrewd man. He asked Amnon, why do you, the king's son, look so haggard morning after morning? Won't you tell me, Amnon said to him, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother, Absalom's sister. Go to bed and pretend to be ill, Jonadab said. When your father comes to to see you, say to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and give me something to eat. Let her prepare the food in my sight so I I may watch her and then eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. When the king came to him, Amnon said to him, I would like my sister Tamar to come and make me some special bread in my sight so I may eat from her hand. Point number two or question number two is who is your counselor? Say that with me. Who is your counselor? counselor? Ammon gets so consumed and obsessed with his feelings for his sister that it makes him sick, like physically ill. I'll just give you this one. This one's for free. It's not part of my message. But love should make you sick. You shouldn't want to throw up after you fall in love. Let's just put it like that. He's physically ill. And um, his cousin sees him, um, Jonadab, and he says to him, hey, man, what's going on with you? Every day you're looking down. What's, what's the deal? And he says to um, Jonadab, listen, man, I'm, 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 I'm deathly in love. Oh, don't say. He said, I'm, I'm fiending for Tamar. Oh, he says, listen, bro, got a plan for you. Act like you're sick. Have her come cook some bread for you, and um, it'll all work out for you. You good with that? He says, yeah, man, I'm good with that. And he puts the plan in place. He works the plan. out. That's about the dumbest plan I've ever heard in my life, by the way. But listen to me. Who is your counselor? When it, when it comes to love that you feel and the feelings and emotions that you have, who's counseling you? What is your go-to when, when, when you feel like your love is getting out of control? Uh-huh. Is, it, uh, is, it, is it the world or is it the kingdom? Is it, is it God or is it man? I'll do you one better. Is it Fifty Shades of Grey? Oh, where are my young people at? Is it love and hip-hop? Who is it that you're getting counseling from? What is it is counseling you as it relates to the feelings that you have down inside of you and what to do with them? Is it social media telling you what to do with your love? Is social media telling you and, 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 and guiding you on what a relationship should look like? You don't have to agree with me. I know that you do. Here's the thing, me and my wife decided we were going to go, uh, this was uh, around Valentine's Day, and we were going to go to see um, the movie uh, Photographer, that was supposed to be the love movie of the month. So we go see the the movie Photographer, and it was a good movie, but it was terrible counsel. It was about the dumbest thing I had ever seen in my life. But listen to me, there are people who go to these movies and say, that is the kind of love that I want. Why don't you treat me that way? Come on, yeah. Oh, gosh, y'all. Listen to me. What is guiding how you feel? What is, what, is, what is taking you too far? Oh, can I tell you something about lust? Lust loves, this is the thing about lust, it loves to live in the fantasy. Lust doesn't care about the facts. It will forego all of the facts for the fantasy. I'm teaching so good today. <laughs> it will forego all of the facts for the fantasy. So here's the thing. Even though you know that you're married, you will still want the fantasy more than the fact. Can I what is what is counseling you? When this is not working out, when I can't understand my feelings, when I can't work through everything that's going on in my emotions, who is counseling me? What is counseling me? What is guiding me? Because here's the thing, if it's not agape, if it's not real love, if it's not true love, if it's it's not a God kind of love, it's flawed. I don't care how you, I don't listen to me, I don't care how long your parents been together, (laughs) They've they've got some skeletons in the closet that they don't want to tell you about. They've messed it up a time or two. So I have to, at some point, be able to go to God and say, God, how do you want me to handle this? How should I work through my feelings? Yeah. Instead of turning on MTV and looking at the latest basketball wives. I'm making a joke, but I'm very serious. What is counseling you? This man says, Listen, I'm sick. I'm sick in love with my sister. First of all, Jonathan have said, sir, we need to fix that. Yeah. He didn't want facts. Listen, because he could have went to his father if he wanted facts. Yeah. He wanted to reside in the fantasy. So here's the thing. What facts are you deciding that you don't want to pay attention to in your life? So that you can reside in the fantasy. I'm in this relationship and I know that he does not love me, but I'm going to stay here. I'm going I'm to I'm forego the fact for the fantasy. Okay. I don't want to talk back this morning, and it's okay. I get it. Okay. So, this number one was Do you have a governor? Say that with me. Do you have a governor? Look at your neighbor and say, Do you have a governor? Number two was, who is your counsel? Say that with me. Who is your counsel? counsel? Look at your other neighbor and say, "Who who is your counsel? Let's push for number three in our final question. Verse number 11 says this. But when she took it to him to eat, he grabbed her and said, come to bed with me, my sister. No, my brother, she said to him. Don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. What about me? Where could I get rid of my disgrace? And what about you? You would be like one of the wicked fools in Israel. Please speak to the king. He will not keep me from being married to you. But he refused to listen to her. And since he was stronger than her, he raped her. Final question is this. Can you see the warnings? Say that with me. Can you see see? the warnings? Amnon is in final stages of his devious plan. He, uh, he has his sister cook the bread and everything is fine. And uh, he uh, says to everyone, get out. Everybody shall get out. He sends everyone out. And he says to his sister, I want you to come bring the bread to me. And she comes in to bring the bread. And he says, basically, I don't don't want the bread. I want you. And this is going to sound strange, but Tamar articulated so well and so clearly why he shouldn't do it. She first just says simply, no. Brother, don't do this. Then she, she, she points to Israel. She says, listen, don't mess up your legacy. Yeah. And he wouldn't listen to that. She says, brother, what about me? He wouldn't listen to that. and She says, well, brother, what about you? And then she says, well, what about the disgrace that's going to be left upon me? What shall I do? In multiple ways, in multiple veins, she articulates the fact that, sir, you are getting ready to go out of bounds. You are getting ready to cross the line. Warning, brother. You're getting ready to go too far. And because all Amnon could see was the fantasy, he couldn't see the warning. He was so driven and obsessed with the fantasy that he could not see the warnings. I have never heard anyone articulate themselves from so many different angles to get you to see what you're getting ready to do is going to destroy everything. And I would wonder, what warnings are you just not hearing today? I was in uh, Atlanta a couple weeks ago, and... um, I hate admitting stuff in front of y'all because y'all judge me, but I'm a bit of a, uh, a, bit of a travel snob to some degree. Um, I want a certain car. Oh, I mean, I've, I've got a little bit of status with Hertz, so I want to walk out to my car and pick the car that I want. And typically, for me, I want to pick something I've never driven before. I want the newest, and I want it to be something I've never driven before. So I'm in Atlanta. I get there. I'm traveling with someone, and we get out. It's a little bit nippy, and um, it's a little bit nippy out there, and it's raining. So I'm a little rushed. You know, I'm, just, I'm trying to get there. We were running behind, and I said, all right, well, let's take it. It was a Nissan. I said, let's take this Nissan, and we get a Nissan. It's new. I connect. Bluetooth is a big deal for me, so I connect the Bluetooth. I punch in where I'm going, and I said, all right, we're set. So we're driving off. And uh, we're, we're going to our destination, and it's raining outside. It's heavy outside. And I'm, I'm driving, and I'm noticing like this, mmm, in the car, I'm like, what the heck? This is like a 2020. Like, what's going on with this car? I could not figure it out. I'm like sitting like, so I turned to the guy that was with me and said, listen, do you know what's wrong? Can you hear that? Can you feel it? He says, I don't know. So I continued to drive. And over a period of time, I had been driving for about 15, 20 miles. Over a period of time, I noticed that when I put my signal on and got over it, it didn't make the noise. I said, well, now I'm, I'm, in, I'm, like, I'm, I'm on a highway. I'm, I think it's like 365 or something like that. And I said, well, let me try it again. And I hit my signal, I go the other way, and it didn't make the noise. So I'm going to test this theory. So I didn't turn my signal, and I got a... And I turned to him, and I said, well, Does this thing have lane assist? I think so. And the entire time I was driving this car, I did not know that the car would warn you if you're about to get out of bounds. I didn't know it was a warning, so I was just ignoring the warning, and I kept getting over into the, And I'm thinking something's wrong, and I don't know why this thing is shaking. I don't know why this thing isn't working. And I'm trying to figure out every time I go off this line, off this line or over that line, I get to shake. And what I'm trying to get you to understand today, that there are warnings to let you know that you're getting ready to go out of bounds, but you don't see them. <clears throat> Here was a powerful part to me. I'm a good driver. No, I'm pretty dope at driving. But I noticed, once I caught on to the fact that it was managing me inside of the confines that it had set for me, I would go out of bounds not intentionally. I mean I would cross (laughs) over and I have to straighten myself up and I learned that I wasn't that good of a driver. Once you can catch on to the warnings that God is giving you, and once you can see the warnings that God is giving you, you will find that you're swinging that direction more than you think. You see, you're not that perfect. You're getting close too much to the line, and it's trying to give you a warning. Yeah. Warning. Warning. You're about to get out of control. Warning. Warning. You're about to cross the line, warning, warning. You're about to say too much, warning, warning. You're about to get too full of yourself, warning, warning. You're starting to want too much, warning, warning. The success means too much to you, warning. I'm saying to myself, man, I I didn't know I was to close that line. It just gave me a little buzz. I didn't know I had gotten so close. But now that I know... (laughs) Now that I can see the warnings for what they are, I don't have to be driven by it anymore. What am I saying? There are many of us that are sitting here today. Today. We've been doing it for a long time. And lust has dominated us in some form or fashion. It's taken over our life. And I want you now to be able to vis- visualize every time that I've crossed the line. Oh gosh. First Corinthians and Corinthians 10. Scripture says that God will always give you a way of escape. Mm. You see, <laughs> you thought because she was doing this, you had to do that. But the text says that God will always give you a way of escape. Warning, warning. You don't have to go too far. Oh gosh, that's so good to me. You don't have to go too far. He says, I'm going to give you a warning. I'm going to give you an escape, but you've got to see it for what it is. Warning, warning. You're about to get out of control. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's Word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.